Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Let me tell you, riding New Jersey Transit with a 10-foot chunk and stick is a real pain in the ass. This guy could not have possibly made me want to eat fish less. Have you ever knowingly sabotaged someone else's rig? All the time. You know, you got the Mickey Finn and the yep. Grey Ghost and the half-assed Wooly Bugger yep. and the head wraps would start unraveling within 15 minutes of fishing them. Good morning, Degenerate Anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that calls on Friday, looking to book a Saturday charter during peak season and does not understand why you're not available. I'm Joe Cermelli. I'm Miles Nolte. What the hell, man? Are you in business <laughs> or what? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I want to I hire you to take me fishing, and you're telling me you're too busy to take my money, huh? Is that what you're you telling this, me? You heard this one a few times back in the day, Miles? <laughs> maybe once, maybe twice. I might have been yelled at like that. <laughs> One of the many things that fuels the ire of professional fishing guides. Anyway, listen, we certainly hope that there was no family ire at the Thanksgiving table yesterday. Assuming you had uh, real live loved ones around that table, not 10 iPads with Zoom faces and a bucket of KFC. And if you did have real live people, we hope the intermezzo between dessert and drinking until you passed out featured Black Rifle Coffee. Yes, we do. We are a thankful bunch, but we're particularly thankful that the Bent Podcast is 100% fueled by Black Rifle Coffee. Nothing compliments pumpkin pie quite like a steaming mm. cup of AK Espresso, mm. while sweet potato pie actually <laughs> pairs sublimely with their coffee or dye roast. Bet you didn't know that. I also think they're the same pie. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> head on over to blackriflecoffee.com backslash mediator on this very Black Friday. Stock yourself up, stock up on stocking stuffers for everyone you know, and enter the promo code mediator to score 20% off your order. So much stocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very so, stocking. Yeah, and it's, we're, it's we're more stocking, stocking to come. We're getting into stocking season. <laughs> mm. Anyway, uh, moving on to the fishing stuff. Uh, from what yeah. I understand, which is limited, but I, I know people and I talk to you, I, I, I hear that Thanksgiving weekend is like kind of a big deal for, for the striper crowd. Like the mm -hmm. guys out your way really, really get on that. Mm -hmm. Sure is, man. If you're a coastal angler in, in New York and New Jersey, stripers kind of go with Thanksgiving like football goes with Thanksgiving. And it was, it was traditional for me for many years of my life to chase them either on the beach or for my old boat every Thanksgiving morning. And my buddies and I look yep. forward to that greatly. Um, the trade-off, though, right? Because then I'd be falling asleep at the table. And like my mom wasn't happy about that. And then that just kind of transferred over to my wife. Uh, and I've been scolded a Thanksgiving or two for basically being completely unengaged at dinner. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Just not interested mm -hmm. in family chatter or, or even being in the same room sometimes. Just I was so exhausted. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a fun morning, though. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, then we had a couple of kids, and I stopped fishing on Thanksgiving morning. And the children just drain both of us. Um, <laughs> though I do, I do have some striper time set aside for this weekend. So we'll Good. see. Good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that, man. And, yep. And that is something I can totally like 
I can connect mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> Not the striper part, but the, the 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 changing of Thanksgiving. Like I've had I've had a few different Thanksgiving traditions. For a while there, I was spending every single Thanksgiving over on the Bighorn. Like right. I would just skip the whole Thanksgiving thing. I'd, I'd go to the Bighorn and just catch a ton of brown trout and shoot some pheasants or some geese or whatever. And and then there was a while. There was another time where I was always I was floating rivers close to home and deer hunting and also catching trout at the same time. And like, yeah, wow. Yeah, it was, I, I, it was great. It was great. But, you know, priorities change. Life yes. changes. There's nothing wrong with that. Change is good. And unless, of course, you happen to be one of those people who chooses to, I don't know, forego certain comforts uh-huh. in order to, to dodge responsibility for the rest uh-huh. of your life. And if there's one person <laughs> we know who's a master of not having any responsibilities, it has to be legendary, striper, chunking, expert, Bob the Garbage Man. You said it. He is a man beholden to no one but the tides and the stripers. And the lung darts. And the lung darts. He's beholden to the lung darts. (laughs) And if you've been with us from the beginning here at Bent, this legend provided our first ever regional report. And and you might recall he was in pretty good spirits because he was talking about the spring (laughs) and the the height of COVID quarantine uh, was keeping everybody off the water. So he was thrilled. So all these months later, I'm eager to see how he's fared. Calling, as usual, from the payphone at the corner of Baltic and MLK in Atlantic City, New Jersey, here's the soothing voice of Bob G. Hello out there in radio land. This is Stripe a Chunk and expert Bob the Garbage Man Bratana Nananuski calling in your weekly East Coast Stripe report. Just to cut to the chase, it's been a real shitty week. Frankly, it's been a shitty few months if I'm being honest. Ever since this whole COVID bullshit blew over, every place I try to fish looks like the T-Jetty Mookfest bullets of 01. The fall run of Momos is in full f- swing, let me tell you what. I mean, Jesus. I walked out to the drain pipe behind Port Authority the other night. It's 38 degrees, blowing 30 out of the north, and there's three guys in tracksuits from South Philly throwing rubber trout on catfish tackle. Like, before this year, me and Crazy Terry from the pawn shop was the only two people that fished out there. I'm losing my mind. Just to scratch out five to six low 50s, I'm taking the train up to Newark to hit some high-level sleeper shit in the Meadowlands. And let me tell you, riding New Jersey Transit with a 10-foot chunkin' stick is a real pain in the ass. Anyway, I ain't got any more uplifting news from the rest of the coast. My old buddy Joey the Gut in Montauk says the place is overrun with kids from Park Slope dressed like Benetton ads, casting fly rods and taking sunset pictures at Chagwong. Tony Baloney and Zweeney up in Nazit Beach says these first-year dipshits up there throwing daughters at Blitz and Harbor Seals because they can't tell the difference between a large hairy mammal and a striped bass. Dear God, please return this country to full lockdown. I can't take this shit anymore. That's what I got for you this week. Goodbye. Okay, first of all, first of all, based on... On this whole uptick in, in angler participation that we keep talking about so much uh-huh. on the podcast and that we, we support generally, uh, nothing, nothing at all about yeah. what we just heard surprises me. I think, I think anybody yeah. and everybody, we, we, we saw that coming, right? Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was inevitable. It, it was inevitable. And second, I have this weird inkling now that you might be, <laughs> you might be hopping on a bus and going over to Newark this weekend. I yeah, I might be, man, because that uh that wasn't completely uplifting news about the bite. And he's the man on the ground, so I kind of cap he would know. I cap off my travel time to catching my low fifty pounders at fifty-five minutes. Any oh. longer any oh. longer of a drive than that, I'll just settle for the, the thirty and forty pounders that night. You know what rough I mean? Rough life. Yeah. Exactly. You got a rough life. Mm-hmm. Not Bob. Bob he covers the ground and uh, he knows how to cover water, and so do we. Matter of fact, we are loading a new segment into the chamber this week, one that's designed to help you learn as much personal and maybe not so personal information about notable, respected people in the angling community in record time because you're busy. You don't have time to sit through a whole interview. We condensed it for you. We've got a, a, a new and I would say special treat for you today where we are debuting a fully unique segment we're calling Covering Water. Because we're going to be all over the place with this one. And <laughs> fittingly, I think, to, to be, uh, be with us for the inaugural guest is our really good friend, Oliver Nye. What's up, man? Oliver, what's up, man? What's up, boys? Are you guys sure I'm the right choice for this? I don't get out very much. 
Hundred percent positive. No question at all in our minds. Anybody <laughs> anybody who has uh checked in with the DOS boat series knows Oliver well and uh and and knows the kind of fire and heat he is going to bring. And and besides, like he's willing to put up with our our, our crazy stupid ideas like this. So he is the perfect guy really to, to start this off, in my opinion. Yes. You're willing to be a guinea pig and we appreciate that. Absolutely. Cheers <laughs> to that. He has no fear. So uh the way this is gonna work. Uh, we are going to put two minutes on the clock, and Joe and I are going to rapid-fire pepper you with questions. Your job is not to think too much. Just just react, and we're going to get through as many questions as we can in two minutes. Once the buzzer strikes at the end of those two minutes, then we will give you a full minute to elaborate on something you feel like we all should know better to understand what you were saying. One that need, you think needs clarification. Wow. Exactly. There's going to be many, so you're gonna, but you're going to have to pick one. Yep. Yep. All right, man. So you ready to play? Yeah, this sounds like a terrible game show. I'm down. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It is a terrible game show. All right, you boys ready? Let's do Here it. Here we go. Clock starts now. Oliver, who's the greatest angler of all time? Ooh, Al Lidner. Jordan, Kobe, or LeBron? Kobe. Have you ever knowingly sabotaged someone else's rig? All the time. Least favorite fish to target? Oh, billfish. Mm. Mm. My man. Uh, spring bite or fall bite? Spring. Most revolutionary lore ever invented? Mm. Mega Bass 110 jerk bait. Okay. Mm. Nas or little Nas X? <laughs> Come on, man. Nasty Nas. Uh, yes. Most sensitive area you've ever been hooked in? Oh, boy. Back of my head. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the species you've never caught that's highest on your list? Aeropyma. Nice. Dumbest way you've ever broken a rod? Uh, letting my girlfriend take my rod sock off my $800 Mega Bass Hedgehog Destroyer. <laughs> okay. That was pretty dumb. Uh, rank the following fish from, from worst to best. Rock bass, crappie, perch, red ear. Oh, that's brutal. Rock bass, perch, bluegill, red ear. Did I miss one? Crappie? <laughs> no. Crappie at crappie. the top. Okay. All right. Okay. The magnificent Re- ones. <laughs> Reebok catapult or Nike pumps? Ooh, Nikes. Got to have the pumps, man. (laughs) Excellent choice. Cheetos or kale chips? Cheetos. One piece of tackle you cannot live without? A hook. (laughs) That's it. Buzzer. Done. (laughs) That hook would be like a family feud. Like, boom. (laughs) Hammer down. (laughs) Survey says... (laughs) So, okay, man. So of, of all those, there's got to be one that you want to expand on a little bit. Do you have it locked in? Yeah, let's go with Al Lindner. First, okay. First question. Yeah. You, you're, your clock's running. You got a minute to explain yourself. All right. As a youngster from California, I watched this man from a whole nother world catching everything and doing it in a very scientifically minded uh, approach and you broke things down in a way that I could understand, even though half the time the fish that he was targeting, we didn't even have in LA. Yeah. But it was that mindset and that approach that I could take from and adapt to my fishing styles because I was watching this man like doing it. His body of work spoke for itself in my mind. And that stuff has transcended uh, generations. It's transcended uh, the onset of this social media age where anybody and everybody has a platform and there's no filter for the content that's being put out there anymore. And Alan is still a G. He was on my boat last year, uh, riding these big swells on Mille Lacs like a gangsta and like <laughs> just smacking big walleye <laughs> and small mouth. Alan is a G. So we've got a few more hot seaters lined up for covering water going forward. But listen, we want to hear about it from you guys. Did you like the segment? Did you hate it so much you've been turned off of fishing for life? (laughs) Who would you love to see us grill on high heat? 
What questions would you ask him or her? Let us know by sending an email to bent at the meter.com. Yeah. We, we love giving you things to think about. We want to mm-hmm. spark your creativity and your thoughts. Like what is Hank Parker's favorite beastie boys song? Or is it possible for Larry Dahlberg to make a lure that doesn't catch a shitload of fish? I don't think so for the record, but now we're going to give you lots more to think about, uh, in the realm of current events, because it is time for fish news. Fish news. That escalated quickly. So before we get all newsy on you guys, uh, this is where we like to do a little housekeeping time to time, throw out some fan shout outs. And I, I just have to throw one out very quickly to at Zach underscore salon life. I, <laughs> I, I don't know Zach's full name. Uh, it was not provided, but he, he sent us a joint message on the Instagrams just to let us know that um, he, he saw Pantera in a packed house in Atlanta many years ago. And apparently our very brief Pantera versus Slayer pit debate has resonated with a ton of y'all. Yeah, it seems like it really it really hit a chord there. Yeah, like we should probably do a music podcast instead of fishing because that's like that's like the thing, all the fish stuff. Not that you guys don't write in about that, but like the Pantera Slayer thing. Anyway, um, Zach wrote, and, and I'm quoting here, a mosh pit the size of the venue erupts and my skinny ass, in parentheses, at the time, close parentheses, tries to get to the side of the pit and I get literally stabbed in the gut. So yeah, Pantera is wilder than Slayer. And I needed clarification, so I just wrote back, stabbed, question mark, like with a shiv. And he says, yep, shanked with a four-inch boot knife. Great show until the stabbing. I love that we we did the exact same thing, because I, I essentially responded to him in precisely the same manner and said, like, you mean literally stabbed? Like, when you say stab, you like, mean like, like stab, you don't stab? Mean stabby stabbed, right? And he's like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, I got stabbed. <laughs> so, dude, you win. Craziest yeah. pit story I've ever heard. No doubt. Um, and I, I, I just wanted to say thanks for that. So that's my, my shout out of the week right there. Yeah, and I got I to gotta come in with a little correction. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I did an end-of-line segment on the Suic, which I, I, I totally mm-hmm. stand by. But apparently, I butchered the name of the town where Frank Suic came from. This is an honest mistake, though. I have done the same right. thing. So the, 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 the town is spelled A-N-T. I-G-O, and I pronounce it Antigo with a hard T. And and quite a few of you wrote to tell me how very wrong I was about that. Apparently, the T is silent, which I've yeah. never heard of before. Um, yeah. So it's Anigo, Anigo, I, I don't know, something like that. But but no T in there, even though it looks throw, like there's come one. Come on, so, people, throw us a bone on that one. Like, no, that's I mean, not that's an fair. obvious. That's fair. No, 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 no. But, I mean, that's not an obvious, like, we should have known how to say that. No. When is the T ever silent? <laughs> <laughs> but I do appreciate you guys keeping me honest and keeping us honest and letting us know. Uh, I, I hold no ill will towards you. Please continue doing that. Let us know when we screw something up because we want to know. We want to learn. Yes, we do. We do. All right. So that concludes housekeeping. Uh, we're going to get uh, to the real news this week. Remember, Miles and I do not know which news stories the other is bringing to the table. And at the end of this, our audio engineer, Phil, will weigh in and declare a news victor. And I'll just go ahead and say right now, you're going to win this week because both of my stories are dumb. And I aired <laughs> on the side of humor more than hard news. Because uh, you know what? My God, do we all need to laugh right now. That's like if you, like, absolutely like, true. You know, I can't even this world and laughter cures all. So yep. I am airing. I am airing on the side of humorous this week. I just couldn't help myself. So here we go. Um, God, bl- you know, God bless lo- you, Sir Melly. We all we thank all need you. that. <laughs> so anyway, um, it it is largely believed. I would say that the coronavirus originated in bats over in China. Now, some of you are going, no, hell it did. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> no, we're not going to go off on all the conspiracy theories, all that noise. For the sake of this news story, we're just going to go with the narrative that because the Chinese kind of eat some weird shit, this whole problem started with an infected bat that someone picked up for brunch, okay? Uh, we also know that the virus went nutty around the wet markets in Wuhan, where said bat was supposedly sold. And all these months later, what you don't see is a Chinese official on live TV pulling an Ozzy Osbourne and chowing a bat to let the masses know that, see, the bats are okay now, in an attempt to reboost bat sales 
and uh, help all the poor bat farmers or hunter gatherers or whoever these people are that that supply the bats. But um, the people of Sri Lanka did see this exact thing happen recently, but with a fish. And this is from the New York Post. The headline here, ex-Sri Lankan official chomps on a raw fish during news conference. Okay. Now, from the story, a former Sri Lankan fisheries minister chomped on a raw fish at a Tuesday press conference as seafood sales in the nation have plummeted over coronavirus concerns. And here's a quote. I am making an appeal to the people of this country to eat fish. Don't be afraid. You will not get infected by the coronavirus. Dilip Wedarachi Wedaracha said uh, before biting into this fish. Last month, the central fish market outside the nation's capital, Colombo, was the site of a major coronavirus outbreak that led to thousands of countywide infections. Since then, fish sales and consumption in Sri Lanka have plunged. Tens of thousands of tons of fish have gone unsold because of this. And the final quote here is, our people who are in the fisheries industry cannot sell their fish. People of this country are not eating fish, Wedarachi said at the news conference. Um... And he also had this to say before eating the fish, and you could tell from this quote, dude's upset and not messing around. Now, we've both watched this, and this guy could not have possibly made me want to eat fish less, okay? <laughs> he throws a plastic shopping bag on the table, pulls out what looked like two mackerel, and, and somewhat hesitantly holds one like corn on the cob, and just takes a giant bite out of the fish's back right behind the dorsal fin. And, like, you hear the <laughs> spine crunch in his mouth, and you can, like, hear the flesh squish, yep. and blood <laughs> runs out of the fish and drips on the paperwork in front of him. <laughs> he then holds up the blood-stained paperwork <laughs> and shows everyone the bite in the fish's back while his hot mic is picking up the sound of him like chewing back whatever mackerel bits are left in his mouth. Now, you saw the cut version. There's a longer version, though, and I, I swear there's a point where he, he gags a little, okay? But if, if that was supposed to make me want to run to the fish market, like, God help these people. And, I mean, it also goes without saying this whole thing is totally based on unfounded panic. Corona has never been linked to fish. I mean, hell, dude, one of the first segments you and I ever did on this podcast was about how you will not I, I, get any sort that. of corona-type right. virus from a fish. But obviously, the people are blaming this outbreak in a crowded market on the fish being sold there, not the whole shitload of people no, at not, the crowded not, market. Not the crowds of people like sneezing and breathing on each other. No, it must be the it, fish. It, 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 mu it must be the mackerel. So yeah. I just could... Th this video is so worth a watch. Um, you know, good, good effort to that guy. But um, yeah, it just... You, you didn't help the seafood market with that one. I, so. I feel like we're missing some context because I have no idea what he's saying, right? Like, I want to know what, what point he's making when he holds up the bloody paper. And he's like, I want to know if he's like, see, see this see blood right here? Dude, we this should have it is totally natural. We should have it overdubbed for our social pages. Like, <laughs> we could have so much like, bad lip reading. It would oh, be yeah. so much fun. Oh, God, it would be good. Uh, yeah, I mean. Look how fresh <laughs> as the blood drips down the affidavit or whatever he's holding. <laughs> There was nothing. You didn't look. There's nothing on the paper. It makes no, me think I, he's like he's got those fake notes that they bring out at press conferences. Like you know, you shuffle the papers. Like I have important things to say, but there's nothing on the paper. He has no he, notes. He didn't. I, he didn't want to bite the mackerel. The poor guy. He didn't want to do that. It was. Oh, it's just. It's just awful. So. Oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, eating parts of the fish that that maybe we don't usually bite into i i don't i don't know about you but i don't go for the fish backs as like my top priority the way that no. that that particular person did but I, i'll say over the past couple years year at least i've really been trying to figure out how to use more of the fish that i harvest instead of sure. just like whacking off the fillets and tossing the rest sure because you know depending on what kind of fish you're talking about um the fillets might only make up a third of the entire body weight and so that just it just feels it feels wasteful right and that's absolutely that's how we've always done it but i'm trying to get better at it and i got started on this kick when I read a book called The Whole Fish Cookbook by Josh Nyland, who's an Australian chef, and, and he's pioneered some some really interesting recipes that utilize parts of the fish that often get discarded. And while Nyland definitely inspired me, I, some of the stuff that he does in his restaurant, it's just, 
it's it's not feasible for a home cook, right? Like I have a full time <laughs> job and a family. I am not going to spend an afternoon making fish eye chips. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Nor nor do I usually have access to enough fish eyes that like I could pull that off. But like that said, I do try to be conscientious about using more of the fish that I bring home. So like with smaller species, you know, panfish or trout, I've been cooking them whole. Um, sure. I've been doing the reverse butterfly technique that I learned from Texas chef Jesse Griffiths, which uh, you guys can find a tutorial about on the Meteor website if you're interested. Hold on, hold on one sec, because in case you don't go back to the fish eyes, what is a fish eye chip? Do you just fry a fish eyeball until it's no, like a shrivel? it's such a long, complicated process, man. It like involves extruding the eyes and then like mixing them with batter and frying them into chips. Like it's a whole thing. I could see doing it at a five-star restaurant, but I'm not doing that at home. Okay. It's not going to happen. Good enough. Um, gotcha. But like I said, I, 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 I like the reverse butterfly technique. And I was saying, if you guys are interested in seeing how I do that, you can find a, a tutorial on the, on the website right now. With bigger species, I always take the cheeks and the collars and the bellies because yep. that's really good meat that often gets wasted and, and it's, there's no reason to. Uh, I try to make stocks or stews out of skeletons and other leftovers. Admittedly, sometimes I get lazy and I yeah, don't always do it. I fail there too, man. I always I, have that intention, and it's just like you're tired at the end of the day. Yeah. You got a freezer, you got you got a vac seal, what you already yep. have to deal with, and it's like God, I do. I fail there miserably. I, I'd say I'm batting about thirty percent, but you know, <laughs> I'd like to get better there. And I'm not much like in general. I'm not an innards guy, and mm. I don't have a yard really, <laughs> so like I can't just bury the fish guts for fertilizer. Yeah, I, I do like next summer. I, I'm, I'm going to try and work on some raised beds and see if I can figure out how to use uh, guts, fish guts and that as fertilizer. If I don't know how to do it, though, if anybody out there has pointers, please let me know. I, I've done it with American shad, like brought some shad home, cut it up. And like as my wife was putting in tomato plants, just put a yeah. chunk of it under. Dude, we had hell of a tomato. It, it worked. It does work. Right. I don't know if I even right. did it right. I just did it half-assed, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point in all this is that I'm trying to get better about maximizing the fish I keep. And and this week I found a really cool story about this organization in New Zealand who's figured out a way to utilize the discarded part of fish, feed hungry people, and generate self-sustaining revenue. The organization is called Kai Ika, which I think translates to roughly using aquatic animals or, or Something like that. I don't know. My Maori is not that great. Uh, anyway, they take the discarded fish parts and they distribute them uh, through a Maori community hall in South Auckland. And now Polynesian cultures like Maori, they know how to prepare fish heads and skeletons, right? Like yeah. maximizing the use of whole fish is just part of their cultural heritage. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true for a lot of Polynesians. I, I remember that there's this Hawaiian dude I used to fish with growing up and he would always just straight eat the eyeballs out of the fish we caught. Ugh. Like no cooking, just pop them and, and, and he loved them. And, and he, he would tell me, and I think he was just like messing with the white kid, but he would mess, he'd, he'd tell me like, even the fish eyes helps me see my, like the fish and I catch more fish and maybe he was just messing with me, but the dude was legit and he always caught more fish than me. And maybe that was the reason why, <laughs> I don't know. But getting back to New Zealand, the folks getting these heads and skeletons, they're not viewing them as refuse, right? Like fish heads were often reserved for people of, of like super high status in Polynesian cultures. They're, sure. they're a delicacy. So the fish are going to people who genuinely want them and who know what to do with them. Also, we're talking about families who, who could use some help right now. We're talking about families who are struggling to, to make ends meet and, and to feed themselves and feed their kids. Right. So Kai Ika, this organization, started in 2016 when a boating club in Auckland wanted to figure out a solution to a problem. Their members would come in from fishing, they'd clean their fish, and then dump pounds and pounds of fish scraps that would pretty quickly start to rot and stink. And not only was it messy, but there were several club members who thought it was, it was wasteful and they wanted to come up with a better system. So they reached out to the manager of this Maori community center who said that they would, yeah, they'd, they'd love to have those fish scraps and that were currently being wasted. So they got together and they opened a fish cleaning station at the boating club where they charged $2 to cut up the fish, right? So okay. the anglers would bring right. in a fish, they'd give them two bucks, they'd give them the fish, they'd get the fillets back. And then everything else got brought to these families in need. Huh. But then the coronavirus lockdown hit. And when that happened, at the time that the, the lockdown happened, this, this fish station was distributing 550 pounds of fish to wow. people who needed it every week. Wow. Wow. But then the lockdown completely put a halt to recreational fishing. And it cut off access to food, you know, particularly the time when, when these vulnerable communities were 
they were like they were experiencing even more need, sure. not less. So Kai Ika, I got to give these guys credit. They they quickly pivoted and they started working with commercial fishing companies in the area. And then after they started doing that, they're bringing in nearly two thousand pounds of fish per week. Wow! But without the cleaning station, they didn't have any income to support the program. Right. So so they were relying on donations and things. So fast forward to now. Right. And New Zealand, unlike here, has COVID under control. So they're heading into their summer and their fishing season like full bore. And they've reopened this fish cleaning station. So they're getting all the fish from that, plus their partnerships with the commercial fishermen, which means they're bringing a ton of food. And they're also hoping that the revenue from that fish cleaning station will will be enough to make this program self-sustaining and even employ several community members full time. Huh. I don't actually have a way to like adopt this model elsewhere like i haven't figured that out because i think it's kind of uniquely suited to new zealand but i I have to say that i find this to be such an elegant solution to multiple problems right they're sure they're maximizing the yield of fish they're feeding hungry people they're rejuvenating cultural traditions they're creating a self-sustaining nonprofit that does not rely on grants or donations and they're even managing to employ a few people who, who need jobs i i just love everything about what's going on here i think it's fantastic it, it is, but it'd be a very hard thing to replicate here because where do you do it? Like where, right. where is there a fishery plus enough people that could utilize that and need that, you know, without shipping it's and, not and work. It, it, you know, though I will say what comes to mind and it, it, it's a much lesser scale, um, you know, by a long shot, but it, it deserves a nod throughout the early part of the pandemic. I had, had several buddies um, in Key West, including my, my old buddy, Captain Mike Weinhofer down there, that they publicly on social media, they'd go out and fish their charters or even just go fish for fun, burn their own gas, you know, catch mm-hmm. King Max, whatever, whatever they were catching and just publicly put on there. Like, if you need fish, like you come to the dock, like I'll cut this up. Like if anybody's having a hard time getting food or wants fresh fish, like, and there was a, a little piece of that sort of rally behind that. But this is yeah. an amazing idea. It's just where where do you do it? You know? Yeah, the other wrinkle there is like for, for the folks that are getting this, it's it's not like they're getting trash, right? They're they for them, it's it's genuinely like, oh sweet, this is the part of the fish we like. If right. we were to try to do that in, in American culture, it would be insulting. Yeah. Because we'd be giving people shit that they didn't want. And yep. and that's not that's not a solution. Um so I, I don't have like a way of bringing this here. I don't think I don't think the model necessarily is replicable. But things like this, where you can solve multiple problems at once and create something that is not reliant on philanthropy, right? Where it's yes. self-sustaining and generates revenue. Like these are the things that I love. Yes, uh, dude, it's an awesome idea. But you're absolutely right. It's like the first step would be getting people to appreciate a giant fish head, and yeah. we just we just we just don't here. We just don't, we don't. here. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day 
into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. This is a weird transition, but you know, so here, here's something that, that works in another country that uh, does not work here, similar to how football works here, but not in other countries. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's my transition for like this that. story. Um, and again, this is um, much less touchy-feely. Are you a football fan? You are a football fan to some degree, right? I like football, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not anti at all. I, I, I have a different points in my life followed football yeah yeah i'm not like i kind of was when i was a kid but now to be honest man like i I give not two shits about any professional sports and if i just lost friends over that or something i'm sorry like i i do enjoy a good super bowl party but if i'm not invited to one i probably won't even watch the super bowl you know Mm. and i was happy Mm. i was happy when the eagles won the super bowl but then quickly had to throw the family in the basement because like it was armageddon outside The windows rattled from the explosives for hours. Anyway, why does this matter? Well, because this little ditty from Mississippi's Clarion Ledger is about Deion Sanders. And Mm. I used to collect his sports cards back in the day. But um, this is about Deion getting arrested while fishing. And he, he talked about this recently in an interview on the Pro Football Show. So there's a, a video of this out there. And it happened years ago, but he's just telling the story now. And as it goes... Uh, after Dion went pro, he says he he did what what all pro sports people do, I guess, and built himself a million dollar home in a beautiful gated community in Florida. And this house was uh, close to the airport. He says, though I'm not sure which airport, but regardless, one day he noticed a lake near the airport that he says could not have been seen from the road, which makes me wonder if he saw it from the air. And I get that because let me tell you, there's some incredibly juicy water like at the Orlando airport. And the Philly oh, yeah. airport. And every time I fly out of Philly, I'm like, that swampy shit right there has got to be loaded with <laughs> snakeheads and bow fins. <laughs> Whenever I'm on the monorail in Orlando, I'm like, there are 10-pound hog Larrys out the right wazoo. Oh, you, yeah. you, we've both been there, dude. You're on the oh, mon- yeah. You're like looking at that like nobody's uh-huh. ever casted anything in there ever, even though that's probably not true. But anyway, I'd never have the guts to fish any of these places because I don't want to end up like Dion Sanders. So Dion. <laughs> Just just drove on over to this lake, right? Just down some dirt road with, with a small boat in the back of his pickup, dropped it in and set off a fishing. And in the interview, he says he was so pumped because there was no one else there. Well, duh. Like, I know why <laughs> there was no one else there. And he starts hammering largemouth left and right when the police rolled in and they wave him over. And I could read you Dion's reaction, but let's have Phil tee it up and let Dion explain how he reacted to the authorities. Police come up. What's up? You need to come in. For what? No trespass. Ain't nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't nobody cares. What are you talking about? So when the police insisted (laughs) that they would, in fact, be taking him to jail for trespassing after that exchange, Dion decided, and I quote, I may as well enjoy myself. And he stayed out for another hour and caught a bunch of bass before coming in and going to jail. Now, the funny (laughs) twist on this story is that Dion was in his hometown at the time of the arrest, and he was there to play a charity basketball game with his celebrity friends against the local media and police department. And also, and this is my favorite part, right? Once word of his arrest uh, got out for this matter, Dion says he got millions of offers to fish private water all over the country in every state. And this that's the part of this, while it's a funny story, that grinds my gears because I'm betting that quite a few people listening to this and perhaps maybe even the guys hosting it, I don't know, at some point <laughs> may have trespassed a bit to fish. Younger days we're talking about here. But what drives me nuts is that like now that we're like, quote, fishing industry professionals, if you or I got nailed for trespassing to fish, like we'd be done. 
We'd, yeah. we'd be ruined. We'd Nobody's going to call us and say, hey, sorry that happened. Come fish my private stretch of this Atlantic salmon stream in Quebec. No. Like, that's not the way that's going to go down. But Deion Sanders gets pinched at the airport. But bomb, we're not Deion Sanders. And, and he's the man. And that's so unfair, I think. It is. And and I actually, so <laughs> this resonates with me in a lot of ways. And, you know, except for the fact that I'm not Deion Sanders, nor do I have anything like his life. <laughs> but there are some really good bonefish flats not far from the airport uh, on the island where I grew up. And, what is it with airports, dude? There's like a good fishing around the airport. There, there always is, right? And and most of them are totally legit. It's no problem. But there's this one flat that borders on one of the runways. And ah. it is not legal to fish that flat. But of course it's not. That all the other ones get all this pressure and that one doesn't. So we call <laughs> that flat Helen Keller flat because like it's not appropriate, but the, 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 you get the joke there. And uh, I have been chased off of that by the airport police boat more than once because like it's just so juicy and you're getting your teeth kicked in by these fish and you're like if all i gotta do is go 50 yards over there and i know i can catch one and yep. then you end, end up going there and you end up doing it most of the time it's fine but then 10 percent of the time the cops get called and they come chasing you in their police boat you gotta yep yeah it's it's this it's is a, a thing. dude this is a huge thing here i mean one of the biggest places where the, the, this is a constant infraction um jamaica bay in in long oh, island yeah. i mean jamaica yeah. bay is an incredible striper fishery. It's not that big. And for a million different reasons, giant schools of bluefish and stripers every year pile into Jamaica Bay. And literally the end of the runway at JFK is like right there. And there's buoys all over the place saying you right. can't get any closer than this. And every effing time I'm there, there's like the blitz of the century going off right on the other side of the buoys and oh. and dudes dudes risk it all the time the kayakers at night it's a big thing here but true story man like if it's near a runway it's good you know? yeah in inevitably inevitably <laughs> true and like we're, we're telling these stories about flats fishing and florida fishing and all this warm stuff and, and the, i'm going to close out news with the opposite kind of fishing right because we're moving into ice season we are at least for for those of us who live in places that have ice fishing seasons and and we're right in the middle of the furhead ice tour which is the, the yep. meat eater ice fishing series that we produced earlier this year and and if you haven't already you should definitely check that out yeah you need to be watching that we yeah, say so it, it's it's worth it so i felt like it'd be appropriate to bring an ice fishing story to kick off ice season and there there are quite a few folks for good reason who, who feel like i don't know they they, they feel like there's an impact of technology on ice fishing as a sport that 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 they, they don't really like. Like that's some one of the the digs I hear about ice fishing, right? Some people like think cameras? That, yeah, I mean you got the new flashers and the cameras and the battery powered augers and the tracked side by sides and, and the like super pimped out ice palaces with couches and big screen sure. TVs and full kitchens, right? And yep. and some people think that ice fishing has lost some of its soul. I gotta say, that's an argument that I hope we get to have on the show at some point. But that's not where I'm going with this. This is a story where technology played a very different role for a, a particular ice angler. Okay. Last January, Jordan Tuntarski was fishing the Black River near Watertown, New York. Is it Watertown or Waterton? Watertown. Watertown. Okay. So he's fishing the yeah, Black River near yep. Watertown when he caught just this absolute pig of a sunfish. And, uh, and he, he brought it up and he figured, man, this thing's the biggest one I've ever caught. He figured he should probably enter it into the New York State Winter Classic Fishing Tournament. See if he could see if, see if he get some money. Sure. You know, are are you familiar with this tournament? Uh, I'm not familiar with the tournament, but I, I have heard whispers of this of this story. So I'm glad that you, I'm glad that we're doing this one. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like a fun kind of community fishing tournament. Just yeah. folks come together and sponsor it. it. It seems like the kind of fun thing that I would enjoy. Anyway, Jordan took the fish to a local hardware store where they had an official scale, and it weighed in at one pound nine ounces which is the biggest sunfish ever recorded in the Winter Classic Tournament, which is great for punk, Jordan. It's a, it, it's a pumpkin seed, let, right? let me finish the story. Okay, okay, so shit, sorry. <laughs> but that's where this gets interesting, because the fish had the physical characteristics of both a pumpkin seed and a bluegill. Ah, okay. Now, if it were to be classified as a bluegill, it'd be a hell of a fish, but that's all. If it were classified as a pumpkin seed, it would tie mm. the New York State record. Mm, so okay. can't tell which one it is. 
Jordan then brought the fish to the, the regional office of the Department of Environmental Conservation to give it to some biologists. Figured they'd be able to tell. Nope. The biologists, there, they take a look. They're like, I don't know. Maybe it's a bluegill. Maybe it's a pumpkin seed. Might be a hybrid. We can't tell. And I think this is where I'd be like, all right, I don't care enough. Cool. I'll enter it in the tournament. I'll, I'll get some money. I'm, I'm done. But not Jordan. No, no, no. He was not going to be deterred. From from like getting to some his getting yeah. his name in the record books. He was yes. not gonna be stopped. So he then drove to Albany to get a Al- DNA, Albany. Albany, excuse me. He then drove to <laughs> Albany to the New York State Museum where he they would help him do uh like get get hooked up with a DNA analysis of the fish. Okay. And nine months later, just last week, the results came in. The fish turned out to be pure pumpkin seed. Meaning no. that Jordan officially tied the state record that was set back in 1994. Good for him sticking to his guns on that one. Just wouldn't let it go. Just, just he, he, I, and he got I, it I done. Have to ag- I have to agree. Good on him. But, you know, like, I can't think of very, like, other than, I don't know, striped bass maybe, th- that, like, it was just such an important record that so many people cared about. I don't know if I would have gone through all that either. Nope. Nope. No. Uh, that's not, a, that's no, this is, I'm not throwing shade at Jordan. I, I love this story. I'm glad he did it, but I, I definitely <laughs> would have stopped. Like I probably would have gone to the, like to check it with the biology, be like, Hey man, do you know what this is? And they'd be like, I don't know. I'd be like, all right, cool. I'm going to go eat it then. That would have been the end of it for me. <laughs> I'm going to go get a, I'm going to go get a big gulp. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. New York. You've got, uh, well, I mean, you don't really have a new record to beat. You have an old record to beat because this one just tied it. Tied that's it up. Like, that's a little. That's a little disappointing. Like after yeah, all that, like I know. dude couldn't and get it by an extra little smidgen tied. and tied. <laughs> like the world record largemouth. Oh man! After all that time. Uh, anyway, okay. So Phil, you've got um, a lot to work with. Some some real interesting science based news stories here from from Miles and just my total bullshit. So um, have fun picking. <laughs> Okay, don't make it awkward. We're going to make it awkward when Phil is done, though, with awkward moments in angling, presenting our first fan photo. Like Babe Ruth pointing to the outfield stands, Joe Cermelli calling his own mediocrity. Miles Nolte, you're the winner this week. <laughs> Joe, I think you'll be all right. Just uh, make yourself a Boilermaker, channel your inner Smeagol, and take a bite out of a big... COVID-free raw fish, just just right out of the middle. So juicy sweet. Why don't you take a picture of the life longer? Well, the time has finally come. Many of you have sent in awful, awkward, and just generally hilarious fishing photos. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I just got to say, Joe, that this segment idea is already a success, if you ask me, because I have been thoroughly entertained. I it is just kind of I've I've actually shirked more important work because I get lost looking at these photos, and and just a few things I just totally. want to throw out there, like Zubaz, okay, got a lot of Zubaz, <laughs> but I I currently own the Zubaz scene, right? Like I like I'm not ready to give up the Zubaz crown yet. Um, so we might bank those for later, but we do appreciate all the Zubaz. But we've also gotten some great ones that we just don't seem to know how to spin outside like a personal attack. Like we love you guys and we're, we're not trying to be mean. No, you know what I'm saying? But, but when all we've got is like, you know, your haircut and, and look of hopeless depression, like where do we go with that? So we're being very picky and choosy trying to find the right ones, but God, are we having a good time looking at all of them? Yes. Yes. Just please keep flooding them in. Cause it is uh, the highlight of my day a lot of time. And, and now we're going to share some of this joy and weirdness with all of you. Our first fan submission for Awkward Moments in Fishing comes from Zach Contos. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Zach. And in this photo, we see young Zach sitting in a boat anchored in the middle of a placid river. Behind him, the fall colors are just starting to paint the tips of the deciduous backdrop in yellow, orange, a bit of umber, perhaps. (laughs) And in the center of this picture I've seen, Zach is holding his very first king salmon. Well, he's, he's attempting to hold it. Anyway, uh, all we can really see is the salmon's belly as it's in the middle of a, a valiant attempt to escape his grasp and return to the river so that it can complete its mission of egg fertilization before its biological shot clock expires. And judging by the putrid green to Alabama mud black of this fish's body color, 
There's not much time left. <laughs> and the thing is, right, for, for his part, Zach doesn't look like a man who's in the process of, of dropping a half-rotted mud shark, as I call him, onto the deck of a John boat. Uh, in, in fact, like if one were to Photoshop out the fish and replace it with, I don't know, like a red Telecaster, he'd, <laughs> he'd look like a guy in a dive bar, you know, like like covering the stones, like living his Keith Richards pipe dream. <laughs> Like yep. it, 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 it looks like Zach's trying to wail out the solo from Sympathy for the Devil on that fish and, and not hold it up for a hero shot. And, you know, an observation, <laughs> even even his fingers are splayed as they would be on a fretboard as it's if you were really trying to perfect. hit like a really hard chord. <laughs> yeah. It's it, it's so perfect. Uh, but the look <laughs> on his face fits the image, too. Right. So picture your your favorite guitarist, perhaps Ingve Malmsteen. I know there's a bunch of Ingve fans <laughs> listening right now. Like hitting the peak of their most iconic riff on stage, completely in the moment, borderline like just sheer bliss, possibly edging towards orgasmic, and <laughs> and that seems appropriate uh, when when you consider the stream of white liquid spewing from the king's vent onto Zach's like really expensive high dollar hunting vest, and it seems just both of them were were were, were in the midst of an O face, man. Oh, uh, uh, and it's oh, it's so true, and the photo. The photo would be good enough on its own. <laughs> yes. But my, actually, my favorite part about this one uh, was the, the the messages that Zach and I exchanged. Listen up, because this is going to make it. This is what's going to make right. it. So so here's, the, here's the, the message exchange between Zach and me. Zach, here's an embarrassing photo for the new segment. This fish smacked me before we got a good picture. Me. Thanks, Zach. Looks like that fish did more than smack you. I hope you washed that vest. Zach. It took my hat clean off, and I left the Lake Ontario slime on it for a few extra days to savor the experience. Me. I was actually referring to the stream of milt it's spewing into your lap. Zach. The real embarrassment is that I've never noticed that in two years. Priceless. <laughs> oh, I'm Priceless. so glad we could educate you about your own awkward photo. Like The best part of that was that he had no idea... That that was in the photo when he sent it in. Like we we found that gem for him. So Zach, I I hope you enjoyed those extra few days of savoring the experience, as you say. And uh, man, thanks so much for sending in your awkward fishing photo and, and letting us have some fun with it. We got a little gift coming your way in the near future. We do, and you deserve it because now everybody can see your lap full of salmon <laughs> splooge. Uh, don't forget, we post these on our Instagram accounts. That's joe.sermelli138 and watermiles on the gram. If you have an awkward fishing photo you'd like us to heckle on this podcast, send it to bent at the mediator.com. We appreciate all the submissions we've gotten so far. Keep them coming. So this week, Seeing that it is, in fact, Black Friday, uh, the day we all know is set aside to remember the 13 people that perished during the Tickle Me Elmo trampling at the Bentonville, Arkansas Walmart in 1996. Hashtag never forget. We've decided it's only appropriate to push our end of the line segment off this week in favor of the sale bin. Yes. Yes, it's 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 the respectful thing to do. And you know what? You're probably not fishing this weekend anyway. You're shopping, mm-hmm. at least on your computer, because you don't have the proper PPE to visit Target. You don't know what's <laughs> going on in there. Have you been to a Target in the last six months? I don't recommend it. But long before Target, there was Kmart. And this sale bin harkens back to the days of the blue light special. Well, why did you put the head in the paper? You don't know what I'm getting at. Well, you, you didn't have to be so hurtful with me, so angry. So this week, we've got a real gem from the Facebook group, PA Fly Fishing Classifieds. And this was sent to me by Chris Raz. Chris, you the man, and I appreciate it. Okay, up for grabs was, note I said was, a uh, hand-tied streamer assortment, nine streamers total, in the original packaging with the original Kmart price tag. Four dollars and ninety-seven cents, uh, and I will date this item from the the mid nineties ish, maybe I don't know. Uh, but here's the description: Kmart Fish America Foundation members box, rare collectors item. Uh, and he originally started out with these for two hundred dollars, and then slashed that price down to fifty dollars. Uh, what a steal! But there were comments on the post. 
What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I feel like I, this is one of those cases where the original packaging is not helping you, particularly that Kmart price tag sticker of $4.97. Just, I, I don't think that keeping it the original intact is actually helping to boost your argument for why this is valuable. Just just my yeah. my take. The rare, with just you just shouldn't have gone there. But there were comments on this post, right? The first of which read, "You are kidding, right?" And then another <laughs> guy says, "Another guy says, I'll give you one dollar and fifteen cents." And then another dude jumps in and goes, "Would you take four hundred? So stupid prices aside, right? This is not a bass bug tied by Lefty Cray. Okay, it's no. Kmart flies. But I just got a kick out of it because these these were like my first flies, man. These little starter packs from Kmart. You know, you got the Mickey Finn and the yep. Gray Ghost and the half-ass woolly bugger yep. and the head wraps would start unraveling within 15 minutes of fishing them. But I got my first fly outfit for Christmas when I was 10 or so, and these were the flies that came with it. And we grew up in different places, so maybe like your first flies were not the, the bubble pack. Honestly, oh man, like my first flies, I actually think were the the 50 cent foam spiders that you used to catch bluegill with. And not that yeah. we're catching bluegill in Hawaii, <laughs> but I did use them to catch tilapia in Hawaii because they did anything. But um, yeah, that's what I started out with. But I'm pretty sure I had one of these at one point, but I, I think my terrible casting, because I didn't have anybody to teach me, just broke them all immediately. Yeah. Like I think they just came unraveled while I was trying to learn to cast. Well, there there were multiple sets, right? So you had the streamer set, and then you had like like you were talking about you, you had the panfish popper set. Every yep. kid had the even before you had a fly rod, you wanted the little panfish popper. Oh set. yeah, I don't know why, but they also had um, a dry fly assortment, and there would always be one fly that just looked like a moth. Do you remember that? <laughs> just a big white mothy <laughs> butterfly looking jobber. I and don't to this remember day, that. No, I don't know what you were supposed to do with that. I, don't I know, do. Like, did anybody? How big are do? we talking? How big are we talking? First, before I answer my question, like big enough that if it flew in through the screen door at night, you'd be like, "Oh shit, there's a big ass moth in here." <laughs> okay, just never mind. I don't. White, I don't have it. Then. No, dude, just a big white wing, like round wing <laughs> feather moth. And I don't know anybody who used it. I, did anyone ever catch anything with that? I don't know, but I remember having those as a kid, and there was always the moth in the set. But anyway, the the set is now sold. Though I have no idea how much uh, was was paid for the set. I want to know what this went for. <laughs> so uh, there is a lucky angler out there either buying a shadow box for it right now. That's that's one possibility. Or just uh, swinging a poorly tied Mickey Finn over at the rock bass hole. But um, it was there for the taking, and we lost out on the rare collector's Kmart set. In the America Foundation members box. I don't even know what that means, but it sure sounds good. It's not even a real fly box. They're like the little, the only the only thing I can think of that has a similar box is like you'd put baseball cards in there, like a small <laughs> stack of baseball cards in the clear thing. But uh, yep. Chris, Chris, thank you for that one. Uh, we loved that one. You guys have been sending a ton of salebin items. Keep those coming to bent at the meateater.com and uh, you just might hear yours right here. So that's all the time we have this week. If you're making lists of what to buy Joe and me for Christmas, we like clothes free of salmon semen, <laughs> hand-tied moth flies, and smart people willing to answer lots of stupid questions in very short time periods. Very well said. Listen, next week, we're going to throw down, that's a little Easter egg for some of you, with a smooth moves that's a bloody good time, and get back to our drinking days with a fresh installment of That's My Bar. Until then, keep all those sale bin finds, awkward photos, bar nominations, and general love, hate, and love-hate mail coming to bent at com. We'd love hearing from you. And you know what? Take a few leftover turkey sandwiches out on the water with you. They're filling. They stick to your ribs. I personally like mine with mayo and cranberry sauce together. I, I will skip the cranberry sauce, but listen, no matter what you do, don't put the mayo and the jelly on the sandwiches the night before, dumbasses. They'll be soggy as shit the next day. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot 
all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.